Hello, I'm Harry Stakini, and you are listening to the Staff Room Podcast, the show where each week I share anonymous stories from teachers who are overworked, underpaid, and close to a mental breakdown. So think of it as teacher therapy, as they remind us of all the troublemakers, class clowns, and the flat-out criminals we all remember from school. So join me and my guests and hear what your teachers really have to say. episode number eight of the staff room podcast how's it going everyone you all right i mean i say this every week and uh like as if you're in the room with me and i've had a few people actually get back to me and say yeah i'm doing all right i actually had someone a couple of weeks ago i think it was i mentioned about wherever you listen to your podcasts you know for me it tends to be in the car or if i'm like on the move you know whether walking or whatever but um i said I, i find it strange when people just tend to listen to them in the lounge as they sit on the sofa and just stare at a wall and I had a few people get in touch with me and say that that's the way they do it. And, um, you know, it felt like that was the first time someone had answered me <laughs> during the intro when I'm just uh, just having a chat to you. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I do genuinely hope everyone is doing all right. And, um, you know, if you want to let me know what you're getting up to, by all means. I say the same thing every time I go on stage. It's just, are you doing you all right? And uh, I'll be honest, when I'm doing that, it's uh, I don't I don't really care because even if you turned around and was like, no, I'm not doing all right, I'd be like, great, well, I'm still going to stand here for 20 minutes and talk to you because I want to earn me money. So, <laughs> you know, if a room full of people just went, no, we're awful, I would uh, I'd say, right, well, I've got 20 minutes to try and improve that, um, or you know, it just I take it to another level where it's even worse. I don't know. If you're doing all right, you know, that's uh, that's that's good to hear. I mean, I'm all right. I'm on half term at this moment in time. So I've just been, um, I've not been doing much, really. I've been been walking the dog a fair bit uh, early in the mornings. And, um, you know, that's I've, I'm new to the dog world, right? Okay, because I got a dog a year ago. Well, my girlfriend got a dog a year ago. I, um, I just, yeah, came as part of like the package, I suppose. Um, and for those that know me, they will know that, this isn't something that uh, I was keen on initially. I, w- I wasn't anti-dog. I just didn't didn't want a dog, you know, a lot of responsibility. Um, and now now my girlfriend's got one a year on. I'm like, I'm totally a converted man, loving to pieces. I can't imagine my life without little Rocket, you know. Um, but we just have a different type of relationship because he's definitely like Poppy. Poppy's like his master, you know what I mean? But I feel like he views me a bit like a stepdad, you know. <laughs> like he keeps me close, but, you know, not too close. Um but yeah, the, the past the past week on the half term, anyway, I've been taking him out for walks early morning and whatnot, like getting out, you know. Um, and the one thing I realise is when, you, when you've got a dog, a lot of people just approach you to come and have a chat. And, you know, my dog chat isn't great. I just tend to I just tend to ask questions about the dog and that's that's like pretty much it. But I keep it basic. Oh, you know, what's his name? How old? Done. Right. Have a nice afternoon. Um, but there are some people that um, are just horrendous at it. And uh, I've had two, two incidents this week where... First one was really early in the morning in a very empty park. I was walking Rocket, right? And I've got to stress how empty this park was. And just as I was going to leave the park, about 200 yards from the exit, this lassie dog came in and came bolting towards Rocket, made like a proper beeline for him. And then shortly followed by the owner, who looked to be like a woman in like the mid-40s. And the dog started saying hello, you know, doing all like the licking and sniffing and all the rest of it. And then uh, the owner, just in an incredibly flat-toed, just went, he's just like me, a bit of a stalker. 
And there was no like irony to what they were saying. And I can't, as I say, stress how empty this park was because there needed to be, in my opinion, maybe five to eight people there for that to be funny. But the fact it was just me, her and the two dogs, it was um, it was uncomfortable. <laughs> so that's in them situations. I just think you, you've, why have you made this situation awkward? You know, just ask how the dog is, how old is it? And let's just move on. But I didn't reply. I just left the park looking at Rocket thinking, what the fuck did she just say? Um, and then I took the dog out yesterday for a walk, um, big walk, early start again, did about 10 miles, right? And um Right towards the end, I bumped into a guy who had a, who had a Doberman, right, massive dog, and uh, I got a whippet, right, Rocket's a whippet, so um, he, he just like, Rocket runs towards every dog just to go and say hello, but this Doberman was massive, so um, I said to the guy, I said, oh, uh, what, what's his name? And he went, oh, he's, uh, his name's Floki, and uh, I recognised that from the TV show Vikings, so I was like, oh, right, yeah, yeah, like the Viking name, and he went, yeah, yeah, he, he's a boat builder. Not the dog, obviously, the guy he's named after. And I thought, I'm glad you've clarified that for me, mate, because, you know, it's not like I was going to question your dog's carpentry abilities. But, um, yeah, just another situation where it's just like, just keep the conversation basic, mate, you know. And that's what I think. If you're good at dog chat, by all means, you know, get involved. But if it's not your forte, which it isn't in my opinion, um, you know, you just keep it basic. Don't complicate it. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Um that's what happens when uh, you know you've got no one to hang around with on the half term. You just you just tend to hang around in parks with your dog um, or your girlfriend's dog. You know, um, a day out with the steps on. That's what I call it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I hope everyone is doing well. Um, I have got a great episode lined up for you today. My guest is Daisy Earl, who is someone that I've only actually met recently. Unlike most of the guests I've had on, I've known them for a little bit. Um, I've only met Daisy in the past six months. Um, I met her through a comedian's writing group that she set up through uh, through lockdown to try and just help us uh, comedians, you know, bounce around the ideas that we've got instead of just hounding the loved ones that we live with because, it, you know, it does wear thin eventually, especially with Poppy, if I'm like, what do you think of this? So, um, yeah, she heads up this comedian's writing group and we got chatting through that and I thought, do you know what, I'm going to get Daisy on the show. And it was great to have her on. Um, she is an award-winning comedian. She started comedy back in 2013 and racked up quite a few awards within a very short space of time. Uh, she won the Scottish Comedian of the Year. She was uh, Chortle Best Newcomer. She was nominated for the Leicester Mercury Award, which is like a massive award. And uh, she did all of that within three years of starting. Um, since then, she's gone on to perform at Fringes in Adelaide and at Edinburgh and has supported Tom Stade on tour. So... Yeah, it was really, really great to have her on and have a chat with her because uh, fascinating and very, very funny. She's actually the first guest I've had on who went to private school as well, which is um, an interesting one because she kind of talks about within the episode what her experience was of that and um, growing up and realising your privilege as you're getting older and just, you know, how that um, how that feels and looks and all the rest of it. She also shares within the episode some stories about the teachers that she can remember from school and uh, all a little bit traumatic. And I feel like it definitely goes a long way to explain her feelings towards teachers now because the story that I go over in today's episode um, as coming from a teacher who didn't plan to be a teacher in life, like they've just ended up in a classroom and they're sharing a story about a lad they had to work with in a two-to-one environment. So two members of staff to one student who was a bit of a handful. And as I get into the story, Daisy makes her feelings known quite clearly 
very early on what she feels about this teacher. <laughs> and uh, it makes for entertaining listening. I can, I can promise you that. I've also wanted to get Daisy on the show as well because a teacher of hers a few weeks ago now actually sent me a, a story uh, from, from Daisy's school days about Daisy. So I thought this would be great. I can get Daisy on. I can surprise her with that. Um, so you'll also hear that within the episode. And, uh, you know, you, you're seeing both sides of Daisy. You're seeing this nice side and then you're seeing a side that, uh, you know, I would say doesn't really give a shit. And uh, it's a fun listen. I mean, it's entertaining <laughs> and it was great having her on the show. So uh, let's just jump into this week's episode. This is me, Daisy Earl, and a teacher who never really planned to become a teacher. Enjoy. I'm excited the fact you're moving to Manchester because Jack Leto is moving up here as well. Uh, well, moving down here, should I say. He's coming from Hull. Um, but yeah, there's loads to do in Manchester and the comedy clubs up here are great. I actually run a they couple of good. nights. So if you want to come and do some new material at any point, um, just let me know. I would absolutely love that. And also I will be, and I don't want to put on pressure or like play the friend card, <laughs> but see, now I know you run nights. If you don't book me, wow. <laughs> like look forward to writing group because right. yeah, it's going to be grim. This week, Gary. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, still, I'm still I'll in be the like, we're like, God, it's really weird, but we're actually full now. And yeah. it's 19 people capacity and, and Harry joint last. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you put me in a breakout <gasps> room on my own. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll yeah. be out. So, yeah, so you that's can have how... a long, hard look at yourself, Harry, and just, mm. you know, figure out what you want. I've got to say <laughs> uh, that them writing groups, I, because Jack Leto put me on, put me onto that. Um, was that? Oh, yeah. I, and I, at first I was thinking, I don't know how this is going to work, but I've proper enjoyed them. It's been really nice to get to know people. Um, but I don't know if your experience of it has been uh, like it's gone above and beyond what you thought it was going to be, because I definitely, it definitely has for me. I, I didn't think it would be as useful and as fun as it is. Yeah, no, I I love it. Um, but I I started it only with the expectation really of like, because this winter was so shit, I just wanted somewhere to like where comedy existed and like it existed every week where you could like write with people. But I, I like I see myself as like a benevolent dictator because <laughs> I was very strict from the start in terms of like the rules. So like, Everyone has to be nice. Everyone has to be supportive. You can't, because I've been in too many backstage areas where comedians start trying to outdo each other and yeah. then it's not fun. So I think having rules like you're not allowed to talk about the industry, you have to say something positive. It means, and most people would do it naturally, but it just means that you've got that like expectation. So yeah, that sets the tone. Makes, yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. And that, because otherwise I, I just find I hate showing off. And I, that was the only thing I didn't want to happen in writing group right. was showing off. Cause even though that's what I, we're professionals at doing, like is to go on stage and essentially show off. <laughs> yeah. But on stage is great. I love comedians in that comedy club environment. I embrace showing off. Okay. If you do it in real life to me, I'm like, ah, oh, you're a sociopath. I can't. <laughs> I can't cope with it because I'm I'm more Scottish than I am English, like because right. my mum's Scottish, my dad's half. And in Scotland, showing off, I think, is not encouraged. And that is something I like. I think that the English need to catch up okay. in that so, sense because... 
I'm it's... I'm actually half Scottish myself, right? Because my dad was born in Stirling, right? Nice. Yeah. That's why we get on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but the idea of not showing off in Scotland, I, I can totally understand what you mean because I know we just spoke about the fringe before, but they're not going to wear that. Only we know that. Um, but, <laughs> um, I a few well when it was when I was doing AAA, right? Um, I was emceeing the show. And I had an absolute stinker, right? My birthday's August 8th. So it was middle of the fringe. I just turned, I think it was 22 or something like that. Um, and I had a big night out for my birthday. And then I had a show the next day and the day after. And them two days were the days that family were coming. And I say family, i.e. my dad, and then like family, fam friends of family and stuff like that. But I had yeah. an absolute stinker, like just absolutely horrendous. I remember there was a guy in the crowd who was wearing a suit and uh, he was just being a bit awkward. And um, I said, what, what, you wear, what are you wearing a suit for, mate? And he said, I've just come from work, really plainly. And uh, I, didn't have, <laughs> I, I, I didn't have anything to say back to him. I just went, yeah, of, of course you have, yeah. And I just, it was a, there was no banter at all. It was awful. And at the end of the gig, um, we went out for a meal. I didn't want to go. I, I was hungry, but I didn't want to sit with my family because I knew how shit the gig had been. And uh, <laughs> my dad was like, come on, we'll get some food. And uh, this... <laughs> This family friend put his arm round my shoulder as I sat there. Well, everyone's eating. I've got nothing in front of me apart from a Coca-Cola. And he just said, so is it just a hobby then, comedy? <laughs> and I remember sitting there thinking, fucking hell, not only am I hungry, but like I'm now filled with anger. <laughs> but I just had to, had to swallow it. But that was, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do the that, Scottish accent, but yeah, that was a Scottish person really, telling me, essentially, don't really show off. <laughs> <laughs> don't show off just but that's the thing but <laughs> see that is the opposite of what i was saying i was thinking oh it's positive that they tell people like that they don't show off but you're right they do also tell others not to show mm, off and yeah. that is that is a proper scottish like see you trade to yeah. i see you trade to do a thing there right and we've all discussed it don't bother don't do it again okay yeah all right let's all have dinner move on from harry's wee wee little episode there yeah he, he, he looked he looks at me like you're here for a month Ooh. <laughs> that was that was a bit that hurt the most um oh. but yeah uh, i've since done a gig in front of that person and done very well so um yeah, they uh, they now they, they didn't say that after that second gig, which was quite nice. But uh, I mean that that's a proper me. compliment. Yeah, mm -hmm. when they no longer ask you if it's a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> my a, a girl from my school. Speaking of school, not that we're speaking of it yet, but I know it's a podcast about school. Mm -hmm. A girl from my school who I hadn't seen in years came to see me at the fringe in 2016. And it's when I had won Scottish Comedian of the Year. So I was doing I like that Scottish yeah. Comedian of the Winner show. And she's not someone who kept in touch with me after school because I don't, I've never got the impression she likes me that much. But I think she just came, I think sometimes because I was hopeless at school, when I was new to comedy and winning awards, I noticed school friends would come to my shows. And I think it was to reassure them that I wasn't that good because <laughs> otherwise the matrix of their life had flipped upside down where they're like, hang on a minute. She's useless. And she's good at something now. <laughs> Not possible. Anyway, she came and I was so like, yeah, I'm going to put it in her face. I'm good at something now I could tell jokes. And I had the worst show oh, of my entire hell. run. And it was a Sunday night and it was only her, her friend and like, 
I don't know, four other people in the audience. And she was nice, to be fair. Like, she laughed along and she was clearly trying to be supportive. But you know when you're like, I wanted to rub it in your face (laughs) and I can't. (laughs) Yeah, that's brutal. That is brutal. It was brutal. The, I've, I've, I've been buzzing to get you on this, right? Uh, one, for the fact I've I've absolutely loved doing the writing group with you. But two, now, this is just pure coincidence, but I actually had a teacher of yours send a story in to my podcast. That is mental. <laughs> um, Which teacher? Well, I'm, see, that's what I mean. I don't want to mention their name, but if I, oh, if I said oh, to I, you... Go on. Yeah. No, well, okay, you give, you give me the clue and I'll okay. see if I know and I won't say their real name. Um. If I said to you something about a year 11 weekend drama trip to London to go and watch The Woman in Black in the Fortune Theatre, would that I know who you mean. This is my all-time favourite teacher, by the way. Oh, right, this okay, nice. She, I can say it's the she, yeah, can't yeah, yeah, I? Yeah. She is my all-time favourite teacher. She okay, was like nice. a game-changing teacher for me because... I I was about to say I wasn't very bright at school. (laughs) Then I realized what I meant to say was I'm not very bright generally, end of (laughs) sentence, but it wasn't, it didn't get better. No, I wasn't, I never thought like, I'm not stupid, but at school I felt stupid. Like, so, because I went to like, uh, a selective school so you have to do like an, an entrance exam when you're 11. So all the kids that I was at school with were like. But you passed that, didn't you then, if you got in? Yeah, I don't know how, but I did pass that. But then that seemed to annoy my teachers thereafter that it was like I'd got away with something. Because honestly, I think most of my teachers just thought I was a moron. And even as a child, I could feel that they thought that. Do you know what I mean? And it's not very encouraging when you're like, okay, so. um, But she was the first teacher who never ever made me feel like stupid and she was always she was my drama teacher yeah and she was and it was like drama and and but like you know having to write essays like there's an English element of drama um she was really really encouraging and she was really nice and I hadn't had that I did have some other nice teachers but she was uniquely encouraging and then I think becoming good at drama made me good at other subjects so then when I left I got two A's and a C which for me was like an A in drama an A in classics and then a C in English language and literature but uh, for me that was not what anyone was expecting and the funny thing was when I got those relatively good grades, a lot of my teachers, they're surprised at this. They didn't hide from me. <laughs> they were just like, I actually can't believe that you, it was like they thought I'd sent someone else into the exam, like you, like, but we all thought you were an idiot. <laughs> I was like, I know it's fun, isn't it? Cause we all thought that and maybe I wasn't, but she was just uniquely nice. And, and I respond much better to people being nice to me because I, don't I maybe like everyone does if someone tells me I'm quite I'm quite simple in that if someone says to me oh you're good at something then I become good at good it, at yeah. it yeah yeah whereas the minute they go 
oh, I don't think you could do that. I go, well, you're probably right. (laughs) It's like a lack of confidence that it's quite easy to get me. If they go, I think you're a bit useless. I'll go, thank God you have noticed because it's quite a relief to me that someone else is saying it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you say there. Because I don't think me and you were too dissimilar then at school because I wasn't massively academic. I tried, but, um, you know, I wasn't, I got told from a young age, Harry's going to do something with his hands, right? That's what's, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Um, and then I mentioned it on the last podcast, but the um, the relief that my mum and dad got when they found out I was dyslexic was like, oh God, you know, there's there's like a reason for this. So when I was growing up, my dad, <laughs> me, uh, me dad would always say, um, like whether it be parents' evenings or whatever, just like, yeah, he's dyslexic, Harry, but he doesn't hide behind it. He doesn't hide behind it. He's like, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not a fucking paedophile dad. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, you know what I mean. It was just like, yeah, I've got, I've, I struggle with letters, right? <laughs> but yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't hide behind it, Harry. He's, he, look at him. He's dyslexic. Look at him. He's like, I'm, that's so funny. Yeah. It's so funny. So, I love that. Yeah, I just... love that your dad though was like announcing it for you, like as he walked into room. Oh yeah, even now, like I've I've filled out job applications where he's like, put it down if you can. I was like, it hasn't got a box for it, Dad, so I'm just gonna leave it. Okay, that's <laughs> but, hilarious. Yeah, um, but this this teacher, we... go sorry, go on. Go what were you gonna say? No, no, you you go on. Well, the the teacher that sent the story in, um, yeah, it centers around. You, uh, you do you remember this trip to go and watch the women? I do in black? remember this trip because right. I was a bit traumatized. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cause that's, that kind of features within this. Um, um, but I suspect the story that she's told you has been about me and my friend, John. So I sat next to John watching the woman in black, which side note, terrifying play. And I bit his finger because basically John was just a mate, but I was making him like, I was almost forcing a hug out of him because I was so frightened by this play because it is a frightening play. And then she, like, the the woman in black just, like, appeared and it gave me a fright and I properly bit, like, his finger. And then I think my teacher, when we all went back to the hotel, I can't remember what she did, but I just remember screaming. I think she gave me a fright again because she was... They've mentioned in this something about taking you to room 666. It- yeah, I there was so I can't remember what happened, but I remember she gave me a fright and she properly got me. And I, you know, when you get a fright and you're like, I actually think my heart just stopped because it was a <laughs> frightening play. And then because she was like a proper joker. I mean, she was a she was a cool teacher. Like some of my teachers I did not like, but she was yeah. properly funny. Like she was cool. Um, yeah, I liked her a lot. Well, the, the, the story that they sent in was filled with a lot of love for you. Um, so I'm glad that uh, that's bringing back some positive memories. Um, oh, well, I, I love that teacher. So it's it's mutual. And it's quite unique for me because there are many of my teachers who I look back at as an adult who I don't like. <laughs> I, know, well, so. I, I was going to say, the when I've said to each guest to kind of have a think about their school days, you are by far the first guest I've had who's done the most amount of homework because the extensive list. <laughs> <laughs> that you sent me I spent about 20 minutes reading them and they're all great but the one that I've thought Jesus Christ that seems a bit extreme when you took a can of pop into school and, oh my god yeah so I, just uh, yeah if you could please tell the story because I found that baffling right okay it's because it is baffling and these are this is one of those school memories that when I look back as an adult I think 
what was wrong with my teacher? Like what was going on in her life at that moment that she felt this was appropriate to a six-year-old? So I basically, my first school, so both schools I went to were private schools, not to show off, just, you know, I used to be fancy. And um, (laughs) I say used to be because the real world really smacked me in the mouth. (laughs) But so we, I, in the in the dining room, so you had these long wooden tables. So it's a bit like like a small version of Hogwarts, okay. shall we say? And my mum, I was running late that day, and normally you had to bring a bo- bottle of water for your packed lunch. And for whatever reason, maybe my mum just didn't have one. I ended up taking a can of lemonade. Now, my teacher, who I won't name but I would like to. Um, I didn't like her. I actually looked her up on Facebook and I was really disappointed she was still alive, which really shows that I hold a grudge because I'm like, that old bitch should be dead by now, but (laughs) (laughs) never mind. Um, But anyway, she'll... she um she's a big listener of the podcast as well so oh my god i know she won't listen to it but (laughs) um i don't know why i said that like i hope she does listen so i could tell her as an adult i don't like you but i had this can of lemonade and she came over and she said you're not allowed lemonade uh, you're not allowed a can of drink with your lunch so i went oh, sorry, because I didn't have another drink. I thought she was telling me, genuinely thought she was telling me for future reference. So then I opened the drink and she lost her mind. And she was like, I just remember her, like the whole dining room stopping talking while she told me off. And then she made me stand on the dining room table. So like it was this big wooden table. It was like prison. I mean, because all the other kids are like still eating their lunch. And the thing is children normally like make fun of each other, but her the punishment was so harsh, proportionate to what I had done that the other children weren't even making funny, fun of me. They were just looking at me like, this is a bit much, isn't it? <laughs> so kind of seven then- up, love, calm down. so I so I stood on the table and then eventually cried and then everyone is looking at me but again they're not even making fun of me because children don't enjoy watching other children get ritually humiliated when they're six so I cried and then the rest of the day I just didn't say anything and then my dad came to pick me up from school And I went to my dad and I cried and I was like, you know, Mrs. So-and-so told him the story, said she made me stand on the table and that I cried in front of everyone and I was embarrassed. And my dad lost his mind. But like, (laughs) you know, when you're a kid and you had no idea that your dad was capable of that level of anger (laughs) or that you could like set him on someone. Because my dad is like this like tall, quite intimidating, like he's quite a big man. And he's normally very quiet and he doesn't like people. So Can I just say, every time you've mentioned your dad in the writing groups, in my mind, I've got Brian Cranston. (laughs) So (laughs) that's that's who I think your dad looks like. Um. But he's like... He was, he's very quiet. And as a kid that I, I remember as a child, 
I love my dad, obviously, but my dad was so different with me as he was with other people because he doesn't, he's not really a people person. So I remember him speaking like on his work phone in the car and he'd be quite grumpy. And then as soon as it hung up, he'd be like, and hello, and how are you today? What have you been doing, my little poppet? Like he loved me, but he just wasn't big on other people. So anyway, I went outside and I cried and I told my dad what happened. And I remember my dad like, storming into school and telling the I just remember him doing this really cool thing where he wanted to see the headmaster and the secretary being like oh sorry he's he's busy at the moment and dad just going not anymore and like opened his door (laughs) like he won't be busy (laughs) and he was like in this really quiet but very angry way told the headmaster that he had to apologize to me because he started apologizing to my dad and he was like you don't need to apologize to me like apologize to my daughter for what's happened here and I just remember like being this little child and a headmaster being like I'm really sorry about what happened today we should look into this you know like the kind of thing they say and then him saying to my dad something like the teacher would be handled or dealt with or that there would be a discussion we'll have them shot in the morning (laughs) I mean, <laughs> I think, but I think my dad was so angry. That was partly what I was hoping for. I was like, oh God, I hope he gets a shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, <laughs> Just tied to and, the climbing frame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then I I'd, I'd loved it. And then bless my dad, he, he took me home and we stopped at the newsagents. And I just remember my dad normally, he was quite strict. So when we stopped at the newsagents, if we ever got sweets, you got like 10p and that was it. And that day I got a pound, but bear in mind, they were penny sweets. That's like a hundred, like you could have the time of your life on a pound back then. Jeff Bezos, just buy whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) Made it rain. Yeah, exactly. And the funny thing is, as a kid, you're quite resilient because... By the time I got home, I'd forgotten about it because I had sweets. So I was like, oh, well, pretty good day. Watch my dad, <laughs> watch my dad get angry. <laughs> yeah, I'll have a fruit teller. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then that teacher was always nice to me from that point onward. And I felt like a mob wife. I felt like, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Even as a six-year-old, I remember thinking, I'm bulletproof. Yeah. You've got to do anything I, I, I would have ta- <laughs> taken a can into the teacher the next day and just opened it in her face. Just like, yeah, you can't do anything. <laughs> I, so you're, the, you're actually the first guest I've had on then that went to a private school. Um, so when yeah. you said like dinner hall, like... Mm. I might just be being a bit daft here, but I like are the school dinners of higher quality. Do you have like, you know, like a venison mm. on the goals? <laughs> That's <laughs> hilarious. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, because I went to a school where it was, I grew up, I went to a school in a village, there was 94 kids in the school. <laughs> and uh, it was quite common if a few kids had like olives in the lunchbox and stuff like that. So, you know, the fact you say like a private school, I don't know, you know. Fancy. Yeah, like parmaram um, in your lunchbox. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we weren't Tudors. <laughs> <Right. laughs> So we had normal like kids yeah. kids food. Don't forget your rough um, Daisy. Uh. <laughs> I did at my first school though genuinely have a boater, which I think is quite a what? You know, you know a boater hat. It's like a straw hat. Oh, I I honestly first thought you you arrived to school on a boat. That was I thought bloody hell, how bushy he's got a moat. <laughs> Uh, just arriving ahoy everybody (laughs) 
but a boater hat, right? Okay, like a little wicker one. <laughs> yeah, okay. a little little hat. So it was, yeah, it, it was quite. The thing is, I think growing up and going to private school, when you're a child, you don't understand privilege because mm. you don't know everyone else is not the same. Like, because how would you? You don't have a frame of reference. Yeah. And then I remember going to university and meeting people who hadn't gone to private schools. And I would just say these really clanging remarks. I remember because I did drama in my first year of uni. And then I switched to communications and media because obviously I wanted a degree that people would take more seriously. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember this girl in my drama class saying that she'd done her A-level production in the school canteen. And I was like, oh, but why would you do it in a canteen? Like, I just couldn't get my head around it. And it was because it was the biggest space in her school. And she was like, where did you do yours? And I was like, oh, well, in the theatre. And I never even occurred to me that having a full purpose-built theatre in your school was a bit weird. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) I never, and honestly, as an adult, it was a really odd moment when you have to go, Oh my god, I'm I'm one of those people. If, if I'd seen a kid in a hat, a wicker hat, I would have been like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> Never mind if they've got red curtains and rake seats. Right? <laughs> but you, you you sent me another one as well. Was it in that uh, a, a private school then that the lad jumped out the window? Yes, that was in my senior school. So. I loved this kid. I didn't know him well. Um, I won't say his name. I'll call him just for the benefit of the story. I'll call him Tom, but that's that wasn't his name. But basically, Tom just did this extraordinary thing because we were all sat in the classroom waiting for the lesson. And he literally, with no like fuss, just walked to the back. It was an old building, walked to the back of the wind, back of the room, opened up this old window and just climbed onto it. And before anyone had time to stop him, just jumped out the window. And then it was only like sort of eight feet down. So he didn't really hurt himself. He just sort of stumbled at the bottom, turned around and went, ah, perfect landing. Then walked back up the stairs, sat back in his seat as if nothing had happened, the teacher came in and just started the lesson. It was the most surreal. And we're all like, we don't want to tell on him, but we're all looking at each other like, what did, what just happened? It was the oddest thing, (laughs) but I loved him for it. Cause I thought, fuck, you know, it's a long life. He wanted to jump out the window and just, just to do it. And I thought, well, (laughs) all right then. He he jumps out the window and then his little bolt was just floated down and he's (laughs) perfect landing. Perfect landing, and then he just came back in again. So he wasn't a troublemaker, that lad. No, he, the opposite. He was really quiet. He was really clever. Like he, he was like straight A, proper smart. He just was quite quiet, and for whatever reason, he just wanted to jump out the window. I about to say, thought, yeah. Whoa. If you were in high school and you jumped out the window, you weren't in the top set. <laughs> <That> <laughs> was... <laughs> you were not in the top set. <laughs> <laughs> I had a teacher that uh, threatened to fr- throw a boy out of a window and he was, he was, uh, uh, oh, I nearly said his name. He was a South African teacher. Um, and he said to my mate, Jake, um, who was like head down on the desk, he lifted Jake's head up and he went, you better about your parachute because I'm going to throw you out the window. 
we're all sat there like, go on, do it, do it. <laughs> he was great though. He'd like, yeah, do a bit of Pythagoras and then tell us about like apartheid and how he would like be in all these riots. He was a black guy and he was, he was like fascinating fellow, but yeah, he obviously knew how to keep us on task. He was like, we'll do a bit of this and then I'll tell you about when I petrol bombed the so-and-so. I was like, <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> So that was, they were they were my school days. But the the context of the story that I've got for you today it centers around a lad who does have a bit of a behaviour problem, right? So um, when you said that lad jumped out the window, I feel like the kid that features in this story would uh, <laughs> would eat him alive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will get cracking with it. Um, hello, the staff room. For the past five years, I've worked with little knobheads in various roles. I don't despise my job, but it wasn't what I'd planned for in life. I left university. <laughs> Sorry, can I just <laughs> pause you there? <laughs> Who's writing this? Is this a teacher? Yeah. So funny. Carry yeah. on. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't despise my job, but it wasn't what I planned in life. I left you. <laughs> 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 I left university with a dream of becoming an actor, but after six glittering years of rejection, I hung up my unitard and went into teaching, as it meant oh, I could no. move out of my parents' house. As I say, it wasn't the career I wanted, but it's better than hearing my parents shagging. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like this person already. I, know, I also like how you and how you pronounce the word unitard. U unitard. How do you pronounce it? No, just the way you said it, mate, it oh. just sounded like a different word, but carry on. Uh, it, hey, okay. As I say, dyslexic, I don't hide behind it, all right? Oh, so <laughs> sorry, sorry, and I hey, know that, so hey, that was really You're absolutely me. fine, don't worry. Um, but I, when I first read that that first section there, I almost think that if I was if I was in my mid-30s, not I, no, is this person? Well, I do know they're in the 30s. If I was in my 20s, right, and, and living at my parents' yeah. house, I feel like my mum and dad would definitely up the amount of shagging just to push me out of the house. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I feel like maybe that may have been their tactic all along. It was like, if we start being louder, he will, or they will get their, <laughs> get their shit together and get out of the house. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So um, also as well, do you not think that shag is like a very British word? Properly British word. Like it's, it, yeah. It, I've never, it wouldn't work in any, like if even if an American said it, I don't think it would sound right. But um, no. it's just, it's a very, un, like I think of Austin Powers. That's just like the, yeah. the go-to. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> but um, they've continued. Uh, I've worked in SEN environments and enjoyed this type of teaching as it means anything can happen in the classroom. You've always got to be looking over your shoulder just in case one of them tries it. Do you know what SEN environments are? Special education needs. Oh, look at you on the ball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, for the uninitiated, that's what it means. Right. Um, on this one occasion, I was working at a kids club with another teacher called Steve, who worked mainly alongside a young autistic lad called Teddy, who now required two to one assistance because he could be quite a handful at times. Although he was only a teenager, he was built like a brick shithouse. And Steve, Steve had assured me he was a sweet lad at heart, but does have a temper worse than the Cray twins. Um, <laughs> and he's continued um, before Teddy arrived Steve had said to me both of us will need to be either side of him at all times just in case he goes into Ronnie and Reggie mode and don't get clued too close to him because he can bite right um, I, now I, I can relate to this because I've, I've been in similar situations um, so I wasn't nervous as I dealt with kids like this before uh, and I'd done team teach training which is essentially that Ofsted's way of self-defence now um, uh, do, you, do you know what team teach is? 
no, but it's just the idea that you have to learn self-defense oh. as a teacher is silly. But also this person shouldn't be a teacher. Like uh, <laughs> my advice to them is leave the profession because there's not a there's not a, an undertone of kindness in this story that I'm enjoying. It's very kind of, oh, I've been because my dreams ended, I'm now teaching knobhead. So I don't think that's like the spirit you should enter the profession. This man or woman is seconds away from making a six-year-old cry on a dining room table. And I just think on behalf of all former children that had horrible teachers, just don't be a teacher. I've got to say, I think there's quite a lot of teachers, though, that end up in teaching as if to be like... It'll do. <laughs> yeah, know? I do. And some of them know when I, because when I look back, some teachers are bitter motherfuckers. And I think if you're in teaching and you think, I just hate children, you're in the wrong job. Find another job. <laughs> I get that. Do something yeah. else. I think as well. It, Sorry. They can, they can Go like, ahead. you know, kids can, uh, what's it called? Chip away at you. You know what I mean? You can start off like full of pizzazz, but come, you know, no, I'm, 10 to 3, you're just like, Jesus Christ. I'm not blaming the children, Harry. No, I'm not going there. I, if you're, I'm very much, I know this is a podcast that teachers like, so I can't slag off teachers generally. Some are excellent. As I've said, I had one I loved, but the others, six-year-old me, I was just drinking a can of lemonade. Okay. It wasn't provoked. <laughs> I get your point. I get your point. The, the team teach stuff though, I, I had to do that. So basically I was working in Prus, right? Which is like a pupil referral unit and they're for kids yeah. that have been kicked out of school. Um, and they they have to keep them in this like little unit and it's quite yeah. intense. But when I first went to go and work in them, I'd not done any team teach. I didn't know it existed. And um, okay. <laughs> after a few weeks and whatnot of being there, I got told, you should probably go and do this training, by the way, just in case, you know, um, you get attacked. <laughs> um, and uh, I was like, right, okay. So I went and did this, uh, I think it was a day. It was definitely, I don't think it was two days, definitely a full day. But um, I had to go to this school with a load of other people to basically learn how to um, restrain children, okay? Um, but we were like right. restraining each other. So I remember going into this and it was a school in the half term as well. So like there's no kids there, but you sat in a room where kids have done like finger paintings and stuff. So it all feels yeah. quite, you know, um, happy but then you've got an instructor yeah. that's like children will bite right so <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, that's that was one of the questions they asked i said what do you do if a child bites you and um I, I i didn't know the answer so i just like sat there in the silence and after about five seconds no one had said anything and the guy just said you lean into it right you lean into the bite and i didn't know that was apparently if you lean into a bite right there's like a bodily function where the eyes bulge of the person that's biting you and at that point that they bulge you know you can take your arm away okay i didn't know that but i yeah. i started writing jokes about this a couple of years ago and said on stage at a gig in liverpool um what i just said to you there i walked into this room and this guy said what do you do if a child bites you and this scouse woman just went bite them back <laughs> and i was like Ooh, I, I, I don't feel like you've got full custody of your kids uh, <laughs> Um, but uh yeah so you have to do all these like um techniques so biting's one of them you have a thing called a caring c which is essentially this um because if you do that apparently you're going to leave bruises on someone's but if you if you like cup your hand so if you cup your hand just because yeah. you you just described that visually which for a podcast yeah, i not imagine is um, not very satisfying you, imagine pick, picking up a pint with your fingers yeah. all your fingers together but you're doing yeah. that around the child's arm um 
But if you spread your fingers, they say you can leave a bruise. But if you do that, you're less likely to. But that's known as a caring C, right? And they I would... don't think we should be calling that a caring C. <laughs> Especially when they're talking about like you can be kicked, spat, bite, and all these things. Just remember, remember your caring seeds. That's what you want to take away from today. Uh, I feel like if a kid's coming at me, regardless of what they've got in their hands, I'm not going to be thinking, <laughs> standing there like a crab <laughs> with my caring seeds ready to rock and roll. Um, but what? But I don't know what the alternative is because I think I would just let a child. They're only children. What are they going to do? I, well, I had a lad come at me with a screwdriver. So. Um, well, all right. I mean, yeah. okay. <laughs> you know Maybe I mean? if they if hey. they weaponized. Yeah, I'll, just, I'll, I'll, I'll give him compliments. Hey, fantastic striking technique. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a hippie. I'm not useful in these discussions because I'm like, just give them a bit of attention, Harry. That's what they need. That's why they got the screwdriver. Support them. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they, I I was blown away by the fact you have to do all of this stuff, right? Um, so that's what he means when they've said, uh, yeah, I've I've, okay. I've had my team teach training. So. Um, yeah. They've continued. However, in my experience, kids tend to fight by their own rules. I was once on playground duty when everything went into a riot and one kid gave me a nipple twister. But that is a story for another day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I lost this this person. I Do I know whether this person's male or female? I'm guessing male. Uh, yeah. Because of just the context of nipple twister. He lost me when he's called them knobheads. And now I'm on the kid's side and I'm like, well, what did you do? Why? Okay. They gave you a nipple twister. Did you start it? What did you do? Did you say something? I don't know. It's unnecessary re- nipple twister. That's like, you know, um, a bit. A bit Is too- it un- a bit, a bit. I don't know. We don't know all the facts here. I'm playing devil's advocate. He might have. St- he could have said something. I don't know. <laughs> I I reread my old school reports recently, and I because I because I just found them. Yeah. And what I realised is that teachers are nobeds. Some of them were really <laughs> passive aggressive, and I just think that maybe he started it. Maybe he did it quietly. <laughs> you know. I, I had a, a crafts teacher who said that I, I again, I was six, lacked imagination and flair. That was a rough know, year lacked, for you at age six, wasn't it? It really was a rough <laughs> year. She said I lacked originality and um, what was it? Lacked imagination, lacked originality, uh, couldn't see when I was looking and failed to take feedback in a good-natured way. And I thought, well, fucking hell, I mean, you ripped me apart. I can imagine I, I didn't take it in a very good-natured way. I can imagine you, the only six-year-old on the playground with, like, a pack of Lambert and Butler all jaded. <laughs> <Just like, laughs> no, I'm not playing tag, all right? <laughs> but, yeah, so I playing devil's advocate with this teacher, I suspect he started it, Harry. Right. I suspect he deserved the nipple cripple, and I applaud that child for taking matters into their own hands. <laughs> I like, I like the fact that that was just a line within there said a story for another day. But you've already just written him off like bastard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that not even his whole story? No, Sorry, no, right. no, there's there's more to I'll, this. Um, I'll suspend my disbelief. Um, I'll shut up for a bit. Let's so hear it. They've said. Uh, So Steve pointed out Teddy as soon as he arrived. And to be honest, it wasn't hard to spot him. He stuck out like a sore thumb from the other kids, mainly because he looked like he had four himself, plus a mortgage and was on his third marriage. So he's obviously quite like a big lad who's, you know, well-developed. The morning we spent with Teddy the man-child had been great and without incident. He was taking a right shine to me, which Steve said was rare because he never usually warms to new faces. Little did I know what was to come. That afternoon, Steve had organised a trip to the swimming pool, one of Teddy's favourite places. I wasn't that keen myself because I couldn't help but think of the amount of piss floating around in there. 
which I feel like if, <laughs> if I was getting into that, I would have the same concerns. Um, just, you know, kids and swimming pools, you know what I mean? They're quite lazy, aren't they? They'll just go where they want. Um, right, so while Teddy was changing, Steve had a quiet word with me and said, Teddy can get a little excited when he's in the pool. And if he kicks off, just don't say no, as it's a trigger word and will only encourage him more. Before I could ask any specifics like, what exactly does that mean? Teddy came flying out the cubicle in his speedos and with a big splash, jumped into the empty swimming pool. I'll watch from the side, said Steve. Uh, the words a little excited rattled in my head. What the actual fuck had I got myself into here, I thought, as I stepped slowly into the pool, shitting myself at the grand spectacle of Teddy thrashing around like a great white shark that had gone through puberty. Uh, <laughs> um, so Teddy whipped the water with one of them foam noodle things, which I remember from my childhood as being called a woggle. Do people still call them woggles? Seems dodgy. Now, I can remember remember them being called woggles, but I do know they're now called noodles. You're not on about it. It's like a big foam. noodle. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but it does seem very dodgy that I I can definitely remember him being advertised as that in a shop. Um, but <laughs> that does seem yeah a bit um, yeah just wrong. So um, the snap crack sound of the noodle as it hit the water made me so nervous. A little bit of wee came out, adding to the existing cocktail of pool piss. I just hoped that the speedo wearing jaws couldn't smell my fear. The tension between us built as I tried to start a game of catch and it didn't take Teddy long to turn it into target practice with the target being my head. I wanted to say no, but I knew that would only make things worse. So instead, I, do I dodged and docked underwater to avoid the aerial bombardment. In hindsight, I would have dealt with it differently and have said something along the lines of, Oi, stop throwing the balls at me fucking head, will you? But Steve looked on like this was completely normal. So I followed suit. So you see what I mean? I feel like it's building. You know what I mean? Like Teddy, right. as he said. I'm still very much firmly on Teddy's side. <laughs> this guy sounds like a dickhead. <laughs> I mean, he describes a child with special education needs as like a great white shark. And like all of this is pejorative. And I think children sense when you don't like them. And this man sounds mean. So I <laughs> okay. hope Teddy... I hope Teddy hit him on the head. I hope it hurt. I hope he's got a scar that made him less attractive as a person to go with his horrible, horrible heart. There's no nice. There's no nicety in this story, Harry. Uh, well, I, I, all the stories I've had have been very different, um, but I feel like. Well, this one is not my favourite. I don't like this man, and I'm saying it. And he can he can tweet me and tell me all his thoughts. Yeah. I've never had an argument on the internet. Uh, Still time. Well, I, I've not even got to the end of the story yet, so I feel like come right, the end, Karen, you might like him. <laughs> well, let, okay, let's see. Let's um, see if he redeems himself. Okay, so uh, after about five minutes of me and Teddy reenacting Dunkirk, all hell broke loose. Um, out of nowhere, Teddy went into Ronnie and Reggie mode. He jumped out of the pool and quickly grabbed hold of a 10-foot cleaning pole and then plunged back into the pool and stood between me and the steps, waving the pole over his head. Sadly, my team teach training didn't provide any guidance on what to do when dealing with a pissed off Poseidon. The thought of being drowned by Teddy flashed across my mind. Steve, from the edge of the pool, was trying to remind Teddy that I was friendly, but he wasn't having any of it. He launched the pole at Steve and then made a beeline for me as he swam underwater. In a moment of panic, I tried to run away in water that was up to my chest. So I wasn't going anywhere quick. Not knowing what Teddy was going to do to me, as a 30-year-old man filled with fear, I emptied my bladder into the pool and a yellow cloud floated around me. 
I wasn't sure where Teddy would pop up or if I'd ever see my family again. But then Teddy burst up from the water about three feet from where I was standing and shouted, you've pissed. <laughs> I've never felt more relief in my entire life than when Teddy got out <laughs> of the pool in disgust. <laughs> and I can honestly say that that yellow cloud of fear saved my life. I've not seen Teddy since that day and God knows what he's getting up to now, but I wish him all the best. P.S. I often laugh to myself about the fact that my teaching career has offered me more drama than my acting career ever could. And that's the end. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> he's a listener to your podcast, so I want to be nice to him. <laughs> yeah, I think... You, 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 can, you can say what you want. I mean... <laughs> I think... Um, no... <laughs> But I, I think it, that entire situation was him and his colleagues' fault because if if the the student had an additional need and needed more, they could have managed that situation better. Why was the child able to reach a pole? Like you could have, you know, they could have removed those things. They could have made I, Teddy like feel, it, yeah, kind of preempted it, and made, they could have preempted work. all of that. They could have made him feel more secure. They could have made him understand what was going to happen long before they were by the swimming pool. He just sounds like he wasn't, you well, know. Maybe, maybe it's maybe it's Steve that's the one, the bad guy in this situation. You know I, what mean, I mean, because Steve isn't doesn't sound better. To be fair, and, and Steve, this, Steve works with him regularly. That's the thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think Steve could have done more to not throw him in the deep end, but ultimately I only would really care about the well-being of the child. And I, this makes me sound, this isn't funny, is it? Cause it makes me sound just like, I don't know. I don't know, childlike. <laughs> I'm just like, I sound like Ofsted. I'm like, let's yeah. talk about the incident, yeah. shall stop, we? Stop the episode. Harry. Got it. We're, we're <laughs> Uh, no, you 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 allowed to say whatever you want because um, I've had on episode three it was I had a head teacher I had a story from a teacher about a head teacher that they worked with that um, Josh Jones was the guest on um, so if you're not listening to it go and listen because it is very good but the head teacher made it was an eight year old stand outside in the snow with no shoes on as punishment and this was only in like the last five years yeah well because he's a psychopath like that's. <laughs> If anyone, if there's ever an argument between a child and an adult, I'm on the child's side because who's the fucking adult? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I, 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 do, I, yeah, I do get that. I've, uh, but mind you, the situations that I've been in where like the kid is in the wrong and no matter how many different ways you try and explain that in a way that is understanding, if someone is just like, no, fuck you, I can't be bothered. You, 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 I, my approach is like, all right, well, I'm not going to bother now. So, you know, I'll just, I'll just let you tie yourself out. Um, but I feel like within this, the person that uh, has, so Steve who works with Teddy, yeah. obviously has some rapport with him, right? Right. So they, they know what Teddy's like because when it all breaks loose, um, yeah. you know, they're, they're trying to remind <laughs> Uh, Teddy, that the new person is uh, is is a friendly face, and Teddy even warms to him. So I don't know. Maybe he's he's he seems like he's had a hot five minutes. He's just switched and gone into you know, as he said, Ronnie and Reggie mode. Um, but... I don't like the expression <laughs> Ronnie and Reggie mode. Like he, I think this is. I don't understand how this man's a fucking teacher. He just sounds. <laughs> what like what training did he? I know it's because it's a podcast, and obviously he wouldn't say that in like a meeting, but. 
I just yeah, all right, all right, everybody. We just gotta have a chat today about some of the behaviour policies. Uh, <laughs> when they go all fucking Ronnie and Reggie, like who is this man? I don't. Okay, I'm not a fan, but that's fine. I don't have to be. Um, okay, so it, I, I suppose this has already answered my question. Um, with each guest, I've been asking teacher or the student what side you want. I mean, I clearly feel, student. I feel like you're I'm, heavily in the camp of the I was sort of celebrating when Teddy got a weapon. When you were like, when you were like, <laughs> oh, and then he picked up a pole. I was like, fucking good for hit the prick. Like, he sounds... <laughs> He's in the wrong, Teddy. You hit him. Uh, I, I, what I like most is the fact that when I first started this read, um, after the first line when I said, uh, I've worked with little knobheads in various roles, and then I started with, I don't despise my job, and you went, can I just stop you? This person sounds really funny. <laughs> <laughs> but, they, but they sounded funny because in the start, they had the sort of hopelessness, which... I find that endearing, that sort of vulnerability where you go, oh, I wanted to be an actor and it didn't work out. And then you can have a little laugh at yourself. <laughs> I'm fine with that. But then when that hopelessness becomes bitterness, that's when I lose my patience with people. Because okay. I, I had a lot of hopeless teachers that I had time for. I had a teacher who always sank of alcohol and one sports day threw the javelins <laughs> back. So like... <laughs> Where us kids were stood, he started throwing the javelins instead of picking them up and just returning them, just to save time, chucking a spear near small children. And the other teacher had to call him by his Christian name. So I won't say his real name, but the other teacher was like, Nigel, put that down. And like... And he, I liked as a teacher because I thought, bless him, he's just trying his best. He's he's had a few lagers. He's throwing yeah. a spear at he's a got teenager. A, a in one hand, spear yeah. in the other, <laughs> shouting Sharon as he throws it. Yeah. <laughs> and that I'm fine with. If you're just a bit useless, but if you're mean spirited, you're just not my. You're not my people. Okay, I'm with you on that. Um, yeah. Mind you, though, I <laughs> I feel like you would hate my dad. <laughs> <laughs> You've told me stories about your dad in writing group, I and know, um, yeah. I'm not he, sure. Yeah, I'm not sure we would gel. You know, <laughs> he, he, I have distinct memories of um, he's just chilled out with age, but he was like a lovable psycho when I was growing up. That's the thing. Yeah. So I. I don't know. I read this and I wasn't put off by the teacher because my dad spoke to me like I was a 45 year old man from the age of nine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there was, there was a lot of um, character building as my dad would say. Um, like that, I, I wrote a joke in lockdown about the fact that when we used to go to the beach, my dad wasn't interested in building sandcastles. He was more interested in building character. Because <laughs> 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 that's the type of man he is. And now when I bring up these incidents and like mention it, he's like, he weren't that bad. He weren't that bad. But um, yeah, it's just like day and night. But I feel like, although you're saying the student, I feel like the teacher, it's not being disparaging about Teddy. I feel they've genuinely feared for their life. Um, but at the well, same time, I've right, been in situations. Bit, a bit sympathetic too, a bit, a <laughs> little bit. A little, little bit, right, okay. So you'd, you'd want them to survive, but get a few bumps and lumps along the way. Yeah, I, I think it's because, so in context, when I was at uni, 
I volunteered with children with special educational needs, teaching mm -hmm. drama. And yep. I have been with children when they've had a, a meltdown and been what would have been perceived as aggressive. But they're just children. And actually, if it's handled right, you can... Maybe it's difficult in water, but, like, I just think... I've never actually felt afraid and I'm a girl. So I'm like, well, you're a 30-year-old man. Just, you know. Just <laughs> grow up. Grow up a bit. Handle yeah. yourself better. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm with you. I, I, I suppose as well, because you've worked with people, as have I, I've worked with people in them type of environments. It's mm. a scale, right? And um, Yeah. I, did, all right, did you see, this was a few years ago now, but there was a 17-year-old who threw a six-year-old off the top of the Tate in London. Did you see about yeah, this? And well, obviously, I'm not endorsing that, Harry. Yeah, 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 no, but the point I put... Yeah, the, the, there is a limit. I don't yeah. go, well, he was just expressing himself. Yeah, you can throw a pole, but not a tourist. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's my line. Don't um, throw children, obviously. But the... The, the the they've not specified within this like autism's a scale right and yeah. like I get that this person might have been very mild it's like going to Nando's you know yeah be like red dot or lemon and herb and I don't know where this person has fallen on it but if they've snapped like that I think they must they must be relatively if you're requiring two to one assistance it must be pretty severe right so I feel like they've genuinely feared for what's gone on but they're not like. I don't think they dislike the kid. You know what I mean? They've, they've said they wish him all the best. I mean, that was an afterthought, wasn't it? I just, <laughs> I, I just, I didn't take to that. Whoever wrote that story, I didn't, okay. I didn't like them, Harry. I'll be honest. I, it's funny. I never used to be this honest because I used to want to be liked. But then hey. I think what happened in lockdown was I stopped caring. <laughs> 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 I've changed this past year, and I'm just going to say it how I think. Absolutely, hey, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take it away from you at all. It's a free podcast, you know what I mean. So, <laughs> yeah. so you're in the camp of the student. Yeah, strongly um, with the student there. I don't, I don't, who knows what Teddy's doing? It'd be good to hear from Teddy. You know, I, I can't imagine that's their real name either. Um, I hope they, they've given them a false name. I'm gonna yeah, imagine they. Well, they've changed the name up a Steve. So um, yeah, all the names that I've had come through have. Um, You've if changed someone's, the names though, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, no, no yeah. one said they've been like yeah, a real one. But um, okay, so teacher the student, you're on the student. Um, yeah. I'm 50-50, I'm, I'm but I feel like I've got sympathy for, for the teacher you, in that situation. To be fair though, Harry, and I don't want to throw stones here, you just described the autism spectrum <laughs> as if it's the same as Nando's. Nando's. So um, with, yeah. with love to you, Harry, I don't feel... <laughs> I don't know... <laughs> Where, where 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 I sit on that. Um but that's yeah. what I mean. Um uh, I don't know whether you need slightly more training in your <laughs> understanding of Sen, but yeah. Harry, you can't you can't you can't go out there and just, you know, tell him he's he's red hot, right? Okay. No, that's not appropriate. <laughs> no. And I'm yeah. amazed I'm the first person to tell you this on a comedy podcast. <laughs> Obviously, Nando scale is not how we describe but, the autism spectrum. Um, no, because it's a big spectrum as well, though. Um, That's not I, why. <laughs> That's not why. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe they should turn it in that direction and call it. You know, that we'll we'll just simplify it down. You know. Okay. But, um, we'll we'll see. They, <laughs> Let's see if they if they take that on board. I feel like your reaction here. I can see doors in my career just closing. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you've just put your head in your hands, like, oh my god, he's still talking. He's still going. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're actually <laughs> you're the first guest that actually made me think have i gone too far in this uh, you know <laughs> no you haven't you haven't just... um but no thank you very much for coming on i don't know if there's you're anything welcome. you would like to plug I don't have. Oh, I had uh, my own podcast for two seasons. Um, we're not. Uh, well, they're still doing it, but uh, this isn't a good plug. But basically, <laughs> <laughs> wait. I after... had, but they're still doing it. You know, was <laughs> your shirt? <laughs> no, I I left. It was actually a scheduling thing more than anything. But um, it's called How to Survive Your Life, and there's two seasons um up now, and it is a good podcast, and it's still running. So okay. I will fully endorse it. How to survive um, your life. Yeah. Um, sounds Funny. like the name of a, a like a rap album. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a lot of rap in it. It's just three women talking really, but it's funny. I'll, um, uh, I'll, I'll have a listen to that. Sounds good. Cause I like, um, Oh, what's it with, uh, John, is it John Robbins and Ellis? Oh yeah, I know what you mean. What's it called? This is my pain. This. Yeah, I've. How do I've you heard... cope? That's what it's called. Yeah. Um. So how to survive your life? I'm just writing that down. Um. But yeah, I'll have a listen to that. Lovely. Thank you for having me, Harry. Been fun. Oh yeah, no, thank you. And uh, I will see you at the end of the month, but I'll see you on Monday as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you very much for the teacher that sent that story in. I mean, I really enjoyed reading that. And uh, it was also fun to see Daisy's reaction because uh, I think she's the first guest I've had on who's really made her feelings known <laughs> about the teacher. So that was good fun. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for sending your story in. I think that made for a very fun episode. And uh, we both got a lot of our chest, especially Daisy. Uh, <laughs> for next week's episode, I've got Jamie Hutchinson coming on the show and... Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I love Jamie to death. Me, me and him have done loads of gigs together and quite a few car shares. And uh, I can distinctively remember him calling me a Tory because I had seedy bread as as, as part of my sandwich, um, which he looked down upon. I was like, I don't eat white bread, mate. You know, I throw that to ducks, right? I like a I like a nice brown seedy bread. And as a result of that, he just labelled me as a Tory. So I'm excited to get him on the show because, uh, yeah, he's always good fun to be around Jamie. But the story we're going over is coming from a teacher about a school trip that they were on. And uh, it's nice to have a bit of variation to the story. So, you know, if you're a teacher and you're thinking, I want to send a story in, but nothing is springing to mind, uh, I'll just say... Have a think about some themes like, I don't know, sports days that you can remember, whether it be school trips, exams, supply teachers, maybe an Ofsted visit. Um, it doesn't just have to be about naughty school boys. And also as well, they can't just all be, you know, boys that are like uh, bad apples within schools. There's got to be, you know, a few girls that were tearaways. So that's my homework to teachers this week. If, uh, if you've had a girl that you've ever taught who's been a bit of a nightmare, send me a story because I kind of want to level these out a bit because it seems as if all the ones I'm getting have come in from about boys being absolute, you know, nightmares to deal with. But you can't just always be fellas, right? My experience, it tends to be boys more than girls, but you know what I mean. I've had, I've had me, uh, I've had one or two absolute not jobs um, who were girls. So that's next week's episode. Me, Jamie Hutchinson, and uh, a story about a school trip. But yeah, thank you very much to everyone that's tuned in and uh, has been listening. I appreciate it as ever. But until next week, look after yourselves and take it easy. <laughs>
Bathroom Podcast is produced by Harry Stacchini, artwork by Poppy Spinks, and the soundtrack by James McGraw. <laughs>